Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi. This is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. We're going to get right to it today. Not doing a 45-minute episode. We plan on 15 to 20 minutes. We'll see. I think we might do this for a while. Last week, I, you know, it's me. I went back on my word. I think last week I said, we'll be back, you know, when we're back. Well, we're back a week later. We just can't stay away from this team. Uh, the Flyers have started to uh, do some interviews for the president of Hockey Ops job. It, it things, things that are coming out about this job um, have gotten a little bit interesting and, and what this team might be looking for versus like what the traditional president of Hockey Ops job is. So we want to dive into that. A little bit of other stuff, uh, some playoff stuff going on. Um, we're we're going to dive into it today. We'll see, we'll see where we go. 15, 20 minutes. Who knows? It's not quite the crossed up morning after that Anthony's been doing on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays over on that show, but... Uh, you know, let's dive into it. I'm going to start with Anthony, who um, he's glowing today. It looks like he got a haircut, or he got the the three hairs on his head. Uh, it's, been, it's, it's been <laughs> it's been this way since last week. But that's okay. It shows, shows how much you pay attention to our show. But that's all right. Good. I'm doing good. Watch more Rockies, Phillies baseball. You'll lose more hair. Yeah. yeah well, I'm, 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 I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I didn't fall asleep down at the ballpark last night watching that mess. But that's I think that's Bundy. I think that's why he's like so cranky today. Is no. the Phillies are sucking the life out of him, Bundy? Oh, let's they, get to lost, you. I'm how, not. How they lost eight in a row, and they lost five nothing. Rockies had lost eight in a row going in the game, and they shut the Phillies out at home, five nothing. Yeah. Look at Anthony. That's what result. That's just look at that right there. Of course, we're doing this for our YouTube people, but that, Anthony looks a little. And he spoke to me already for half an hour this morning, so he's even double tired. Yeah, that's All right, right. what's going on? I already had a you talk with to both of you YouTube. guys today, right? Now we're back together, so maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe that's it. Listen, uh, Bundy just mentioned for the YouTube, we've uh, we've continued to add on every week to the YouTube subscribers. Uh, go over to youtube.com slash at snowthegoalie, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. For God's sake, hit the subscribe button, all right? We had, I don't know, 1,200 people or something a couple weeks ago. I think we had 1,000 people last week between this and the Crossing Broad channel. If you're watching the show, just hit subscribe. If you want to like mute it or mute the notification or whatever, feel free. Hit the subscribe button. We want to get to a thousand. That's our goal here before we hit the summer. So I think we're about forty percent of the way there. So let's get there. I guess help us out. Um, all right, guys. The uh, president of hockey ops job. There have been two candidates that have been mentioned this week. Anthony, you wrote about both of them. Uh, very different 
uh, in terms of what they bring to the table, very different in terms of experience. Why don't you, um, let's start there. Give people a, a brief overview of the two people who have either interviewed or are expected to have interviewed by, let's say, the end of the weekend. No, they've already interviewed. Both have already interviewed. It was uh, Emily Castingay, Assistant General Manager of the Vancouver Canucks. Scott Mellenby, Special Assistant to the General Manager of the St. Louis Blues. Um, those were the first two. I, I've heard that Doug Wilson, former general manager of the San Jose Sharks, um, will get an interview at some point. Uh, I'm not sure that that's happening this week, probably next week, I would think, at this, at this stage of the game since it's a Friday morning here. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say uh, that's where they're at so far. I was also told that the interview list currently uh, probably includes uh, anywhere from five to seven names. Um, so there's going to be other candidates that, that come up in this thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they're moving forward with it. And I, I'm a little, I'm a little perplexed by the, the, the process that they're, that they're kind of going through right now. Um, from this, from this perspective, not to say that they're not doing due diligence because I believe that they are, and I believe that they are you know, seriously considering, you know, specific candidates, you know, and, and they're going to, they're going to talk to everybody, whatever, and, and take it from there. But from this perspective is where I'm perplexed. They are interviewing a position that is titled president of hockey operations, which means this is the person who will be running the hockey operations of the flyers and not the business and sales and marketing side of the flyers. Okay. And this process is being done with a search team that includes Dan Hilferty, who great guy loves hockey, but admits that he's not, you know, he's not a hockey person. He's just a hockey fan, right? So a little bit different, right? As in, he doesn't have institutional knowledge of the, the inner workings of the national hockey league. Right. But right. But certainly, certainly he, I mean, he st certainly step up from where Dave Scott was. Right. I mean, for right. sure, but not, but yes, like you said, not institutional knowledge. Um, Val Camillo, who's the business, the CEO and president of the business side of the flyers. Uh, Billy King, former Sixers GM, who is representing uh, an executive his his company's executive search firm, um, who helps you know hire uh, you know helps people helps clients hire executives for their company. Um, his company tends to, although it's not always, but does tend to uh, focus on uh, diversity hiring. Um, but again, Billy and his people are not hockey institutional knowledge of hockey right and then neil glassberg who probably has a little bit more of an institutional knowledge of hockey mm -hmm. but there's a question of whether or not there's a real conflict of interest with him being even involved in this process because he also is an agent for certain hockey executives and he has clients through uh, another company that he owns that are competitors to the flyers who he is now bringing employees of those clients into interview for the flyers position. Um, so even though there's some hockey knowledge there, you wonder what the MO is behind that and zero folks 
from the current Flyers Hockey Operations Department or any other hockey people in on this decision-making process. So I'm not 100% sure where they're going with this and, and why this is the right thing. And, you know, I know Bundy's going to probably give an angle here that's, a, that's you know, kind of explaining that this job is maybe a little bit more non-traditional than what we would anticipate hockey operations to be. Um, president of hockey operations to be. And, and, and if that's the case, then I don't understand why they're calling it the president of hockey operations. So that's yeah. why I'm, I'm a little bit perplexed by how Bundy, before you, before you jumped yeah. in, can I just a quick clarifying and you mentioned yeah. nobody on sure. the hockey side torts and uh, Danny Briere, the, the interim soon to be full-time permanent GM. Okay. Have mm-hmm. they been, have they, to your knowledge, been involved in any way in the interview process or like the selection of, potential candidates no 100 not, okay. not that i'm no not that i'm that's aware of no um it's interesting because it feels like whoever the president of hockey ops is or whoever gets hired is being told tortorella is your coach and danny is your gm i, well, I would yeah. assume that they're not removing the interim tag on briere so that there's at least the you know potential of if you wanted to bring in your own gm you could but i i believe to this point the notion has been that he would be well, the GM. So, and we can. Yeah, I think I think Bundy the, the, back on now. Yeah, I'll let Bundy say what he's gonna say, but just answer, just yeah. answer what you just said, Russ. It's really an optics thing, right? It's basically saying let whoever the new president of hockey operations is be the person who decides to remove the interim tag off of Danny, so that it, it almost it's like a it's like a public. Oh yes, I'm on board with this. This is the person mm-hmm. that I want to be my GM. But I mean, we all know that that's just kind of a you know, public relations move really more than anything else. But yes, that's, that's what it is. But I'll go back, Bundy. Let's, let's backtrack to what you were about to say before we cut out. Yeah. Can you, yeah. can you hear me yeah, now? Is it okay? You sound, you sound delightful. Okay. Yeah. So just, just so you guys know, and I know we talked about this four or five weeks ago when it came on, uh, I told you guys I had asked Danny to, to meet and uh, we met yesterday actually for probably close to 90 minutes in his office. Um, didn't really get in any of the president, the president, uh, the, the discussion about that is more about hockey and in format and players. Cause you know, we talk a lot about hockey and I know that we're very, we're thoughtful in terms of how we talk about the team. So I, you know, I'd always want to just want to tell Danny like here, um, you know, we're around, we do hockey, we cover hockey, but I just wanted him to know that, uh, you know, to pick his brain a little bit. And I will tell everybody right now, guys, from that discussion, he's got my full, full 1000% endorsement and backing however, like, however that looks. So that, uh, you know, as part of what, uh, we had a great discussion, went through a lot of, you know, as a couple of old guys that going through our, uh, our days here in Philadelphia, but it was really, really good. I'm excited for him. It's funny. And going into that, it's funny. Danny's one of those guys that still keeps his office up at the front and he won't move back yet because it's to the main GM office because he has still has the interim tag. And that's kind of probably what I would have done too. So that's just the way his thinking goes. But, yeah, the president job is interesting, guys. And, you and you know what, Anthony, you're right about the presentation of how it's laid out there. And it's weird because, you know, is the job, you know, and, and I was thinking about this in a, a multi kind of layered way. If I'm involved, like if I came back or there was something I was doing with the team, I would have to be involved with the actual hockey side of it, too. It can't just be out going kissing babies as a representative of the Flyers. You know, whoever comes in, I has to be able to, for me, has to be able to play both sides of that, whether you're an ambassador with the business side, but you're also a multifaceted 
person with the hockey side that has to work in conjunction with them. The president's job for me, um, I don't know how they're describing it, but how I view this is you're responsible for the winning tradition of the team and winning moving forward. If I'm a hockey, if I'm a president of this team and, and the way I would view it, how do I find the best way for this team to win and to continue winning year after year after year? I'm at a point now, guys, it ain't about optics. It's about productivity and getting shit done. It's and nothing else matters at this point. So if we're out there doing hirings to do hirings because it looks good on the eye, you know, it, 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 you check a box and it's an eye test thing. Great. I don't want to hear about that. I want I want productivity. I want the best person in here that can re represent both the hockey side with knowledge and passion and also work in cohesion uh, with with the business side. That's to me what it is. And it's all about winning and nothing more about it. It ain't about anything else except putting the right pieces together to find the path forward for victories in the future. That's how I see that job. And I sure hope that that's the translation that's going on in there. I'm confident in Danny with, with the stuff, with the hockey stuff after talking to him. But this is a job I think they got to really look into. And it ain't about, um, it, it's not about, for me, it has nothing to do with box checking. You know, um, it, 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 it's all at this very time about the future of this franchise immediately, but also one year after another taking steps forward to ensure that this team is and makes the playoffs and remains a playoff contender year after year. Um, Danny knows he's got a lot of work to do. Sorry, Anthony, and, and, and you know what? And he's going to need a team of people yeah, around I, there to help. And I agree. And, and, and that's why, you know, when you hear a name like Doug Wilson, for example, right? I mean, here's a guy who was a general manager in this league and was, you know, pretty successful in, in his tenure in out in San Jose where – he was at for I believe 18 19 years right I mean and and you know yeah they never won a cup but but that Sharks team was after in Wilson's tenure was always competitive was always good right they were always there Very good. so like you look at yep. a guy like that and I say oh there's a name that that interests me because it's someone with that institutional hockey knowledge but it sounds like almost that this is more of a position that they are trying to make more of a marketing type thing from the hockey side of things, which I, I've never, that's look, I've never seen that before. And maybe it's a bold new strategy, right? That they've got, and they feel like that they feel like doing this will let everybody have a, their own lane. And, and Danny can have the autonomy to run the team as he sees fit. Kind of like in the old days when the GM was just the person in charge and, yeah, and that's it. The GM. Right? And and so yep. maybe that's the Matt, that's what they're kind of going for. And if that if that works out, great. I mean, maybe you know, that's a new approach and it's different and it's fresh and hey, that could be a thing and that could work. My concern with it is that Danny has never been a GM before. Um, never been an assistant GM before. He's only been short term a special assistant to the general manager, right? So I think that there are going to be times when Danny, as smart as he is, is going to be come upon a situation that he's not experienced before. And while I don't doubt that he will find his way through it, what I'd rather not have happen is that he learn from a mistake and say, okay, I won't do that again next time. 
and rather have someone who sits in that position as president of hockey operations who he can turn to and say, hey, so-and-so, and if it's Doug Wilson, great, whatever, but whoever, hey, so-and-so, here's what I'm facing right now. What is the best way to go in your mind to go about this and really then have a perspective that, that he can take to making whatever will be his ultimate final decision? That's not saying it's taking away any responsibilities that he has. It's just having an experienced person for him to lean on um, in certain instances, in certain situations that would limit the possibilities of doing something wrong. That's that's all I would want. And that's 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 why I don't know if the if this newfangled concept would work with a brand new GM. If you had an experienced GM, maybe. But without an experienced GM, I think you you run the risk of, of, of it being something that, that could go sideways quickly. That's why this whole thing is so weird. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever seen it before. And, and listen, there, there are times where I am overtly negative because I feel like it's warranted. I don't want to be negative on this because I, I want to give it a shot. I want to be able to, you know, give Danny Briere a shot. I, I just can't help but feel this like sense of foreboding that this has never been done this way before in a successful franchise and like a successful Stanley Cup winning or championship winning team uh, of, of a team that's, you know, one of the major sports leagues in the U.S. And you're like, yeah, Joe, Joe Sackick, Russ. And, and, and if you look at Colorado, Joe Sackick's route to what he did. It, it's no different than what Danny did. He got inserted as a popular player into the GM. I hired an obscure coach in Bedner, and they went on to win a cup with high draft picks and good, good free yeah, agent I, picks. Yeah, to be so it's happened. To, to be it, clear, it I happened. don't mean I don't mean the the GM specifically. I mean that you have this low experience GM. Yeah, so Sackick's a good example. But the the coach who has yeah. the gravitas in the league, not an obscure coach, one who you know, ha- also comes with uh, a you know sizable ego and 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 all that and institutional knowledge and all that, but then there's no president above either of them at the moment, and it looks like they're leaning toward a PR move more so than a traditional president of hockey ops. So that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's what's weird about this. As it currently stands, the person with the most institutional knowledge is the head coach. He's got more of it than the GM and the CEO of the team or the, the owner, the governor of the team like that. The, yeah. Russ, who was, who, who was John Tortorella's GM when he won the Stanley cup remember. in Tampa? Can't even tie his skates. Probably couldn't even skate from blue line to blue line. Right. <laughs> Anthony? <Feaster? laughs> yep. And Jay Feaster was the GM All right, he was the assistant GM when I was in, in Hershey. He was, he's a lawyer. He got the job and then he brought in Billy Barber who kind of like helped them define hockey. You know what? All everybody's a genius until you have a Nikolai Habby bullet. <laughs> and then, and then you're definitely a genius, you know, and that's, that's what happens guys. Like it's, it, 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 I, you could be a GM. Doug Feaster was the GM or Feaster. Yeah. Jay it was Feaster, Feaster right? Yeah. Yeah. Jay Feaster. Jay Feaster. Yeah. 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 That was it. So Torts has been in this predicament before and won, except now he has an actual guy that was yeah, a well, real the, the hockey different, guy. The difference is, is that when he had that team in Tampa, there was a lot of talent there that is not that is not here Big right time. now, right? So 
Which is why I say I'm not trying to be negative about it. It's just weird. The the power dynamic as it currently exists is weird. So it, it's interesting that it appears that, you know, like the Shiro's of the world who had initially been rumored don't seem to be the priority right now. Like you would think that if he were going to be a lead candidate that he would have perhaps been one of the first two people in it. And maybe over the next couple of weeks, as I interview people, like he'll pop up or there'll be people who are of his ilk who will pop up. And like, maybe they ultimately do make, you know, like the good old boys, you know, higher. It's just interesting. And I'm also not saying by the way that like the way they're going right now, like I don't know anything about uh, Emily Kastenkay. Like I've, I've little to no knowledge of what she's done in Vancouver. It doesn't mean she hasn't done a great job. It doesn't mean she hasn't done a horrible job. I genuinely don't know. And I'm not going to like speak on something I have no knowledge of, but you, you, I think it's fair if we sit back and we say, all right, we know that the business side of the team has kind of cleaned up their act. They did a much better job over the past 18 months. Um, or, you know, are, are the flyers looking to have somebody who's in that president of hockey ops role, who's more visible to the fans is walking around the concourse is like more affable is more front facing than what we've traditionally had at least over the last 10 years or so where you have like the Bob Clarks and the Paul Holmgrens of the world and then the Chuck Fletchers of the world who like will occasionally do their media appearances but largely are kind of off off to the side they're advising from that role rather than being out in the public and if they think that it's better for the organization for that person to be more, I guess, approachable or, or to be more accessible to the public and the media, then maybe it is a good idea to kind of break the wheel. I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. Bundy, I do want to ask you though, you know, you mentioned that you talked to Danny and that the president thing didn't come up and yeah. this might come off to some as pandering, but like, it's a fair question. You, you're the longest tenured Flyers defenseman in history. You worked for this team uh, and around this team on the radio and TV you have institutional knowledge of the city of Philadelphia, of the Philadelphia Flyers. You've done tremendous work with recovery in, you know, one of the many sports leagues where substance abuse issues are a legitimate concern and a real thing. Like, I, I, again, this might come off as pandering to some, but it's a legitimate question. Like, have you have you been approached in any way about potentially interviewing for the president of hockey ops job or for another job in, in some kind of, you know, similar role with the, the flyers here over the last week or so. I haven't, no, I mean, I, and, and again, I, but again, it's fallen down to like what, like Anthony said, like what exactly is that job? You know? And, and again, I, I haven't met Dan and no one has approached me. Like who is going to call me uh, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, coming off, you know, snow the goalie and, want me to be a president <laughs> you know again I, I i don't think that's the part i'm wondering though is is what what does a job entail but no i have not been approached i didn't talk about with danny nobody's from the flyers has called me um yeah i guess i'm here a long time there's a lot of other guys too i mean there's other guys its names haven't been mentioned you know i mean keith jones would be a good one too right like that's another guy that knows the city knows all the agents it's a lot of it's knowing the people in the league so from that standpoint I know the whole league. Yeah, I know everybody that's been tied to the league from the players to the agents to the GMs. I mean, that's when you're traveling and in, in part of it that long. So a lot of it is familiarity. A lot of it is having personality. For me, I, I think a lot of the, the job now for this is to have, is is having an understanding of this team and this city. I, I can't stress that is. I think Anthony understands that as well. Um, 
you know, as, as guys that are a little bit older, Russ. But to me, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of there's it's a multifaceted type of role. But I, I think the more you have for it, because I think to, to be the president or in that spot, you become the messenger to the city. You know, you're the guy that end, ends up having the voice uh, to the people. And I think that's so, so important, especially for where the team is right now as a whole with the personnel they have. They need to keep growing to get back to the playoffs. But I, I do think messaging in that role is super, super important. And uh, and I'm not opposed to, to if it's someone like myself or Jonesy, someone from this city that also has, you know, a progressive understanding of the nature of the game uh, and an understanding of this city and the fans and what they like. I have no problem at all going back internally. No, nobody has okay. reached out. To me. Um, so interesting. I don't know. Flyers, you're listening out there. So, well, perhaps an idea. Um, and um, let me let me throw this back to you really quick. Um, I, I don't think there's anything else on the Flyers front that's probably worth talking about at this point. Um, no real moves at this point can't really make a move no, anyway. I mean, but I, I think it's worth you mentioning the thing that you got a little i'm not fighting you fired up i have no i have no i have no interest i have no i don't want to fight with i don't want to fight we're with not you either. we're not doing we're not doing like a seven minute back and forth about no, this we don't, we don't have bring to. it up but okay it's okay. worth but it's it, it is don't worth poke, mentioning don't just poke so the bear just so people know it's worth mentioning okay so there was a thing that came out this morning uh or it might have been last night about teams that have gone over the cap ceiling uh, this season, and that after after performance after performance bonuses. Sorry, after performance bonuses, um, and that uh, those penalties are going to be assessed on next year's cap. Um, now, that list of teams is interesting for a few different reasons. Uh, I'm going to try to pull this up really quick on the screen for those who are watching on YouTube, because of course, if you if you watch and you remember and you go over to YouTube.com slash at snow the goalie you'll get to to see all these things as they pop up um but the there are what was it and 14 teams i think 15, 13 teams it was 15 so half the league uh made this list of going over to different um to different extents so let's let's dive in on this really quick um <clears throat> the flyers exceeded that cap ceiling by the second most in the league 1.187 million or 1.876 if you want to round up that $500. Um the Bruins of course far and away uh led the league 4 and a half million dollars over the cap ceiling. The Canadiens were also over 1 million. So there were there were three teams in the entire league that went over the cap ceiling by 1 million or more. Uh rounding out that list, Edmonton, Vancouver, Colorado, New York, Carolina, New Jersey, Dallas, Florida, Seattle, San Jose, St. Louis, Washington. If you take a look at that list and you think, wait a second, something kind of makes sense there. I'm sensing a theme. It's because many of those teams made the postseason, notably Boston, Edmonton, Colorado, the Rangers, Carolina, Jersey, Dallas, Florida, Seattle. Some of those teams, for those who can't see this on the screen, if you're listening in the podcast feed, San Jose, St. Louis, and Washington all went anywhere from twenty to $25,000 over the cap ceiling. Um, you had like I would say low-level offenders, Seattle, Florida, maybe even Dallas, who were 350 or 370 or less. Uh, and then it does start to scale up. Um, and I know that you you kind of wanted to go over how you get to this point. Um, I, I would, I guess, simply say this is appears to be one of those times where 
throughout the season, as you're doing that day-to-day thing, which we've talked about about the cap in the NHL before, it's a daily thing that you're monitoring and you're, you're doing those paper transactions between the Phantoms and the Flyers to try to remain under the cap. And this is one of those problems that we had with Chuck Fletcher. Barry Hanrahan's name has come up on this show before as being the capologist. When you fly so close to the sun, you're inevitably going to get burned. And it appears as though that's at least part of what may or may not have happened here. So can you, I guess, shine some light on this? Yeah, so first thing I want to say is, is this happens every year, right? So the problem with the way that the NHL cap is, is put together is there is a cap, but it's not really the cap because it's, it's actually lower than what the cap is because what ends up happening is when you put a player on long-term IR, right, that money comes off of your seasonal cap hit but it it still remains and impacts where you are at the end of the season once you're paying performance bonuses out. And so, therefore, you could then go over the cap, technically, with the performance bonuses. And if you do, then you are dinged down the road. And usually, LTIR causes this. This is not something new that just happened. 15 is the most teams ever but that's probably tied into the fact that it was a flat cap, right? And, and you know, the pandemic created this situation. So th- this, this is something that is affecting more teams now than maybe it ever has before. But it has happened many times. And because it's because you don't know if certain players are going to hit their performance bonuses, you don't know what injuries you're going to have, you don't know how many times you're going to have to call players up and down, whatever. It's really difficult to manage that um, when the cap is – updated on a daily basis as opposed to just being a number for the year right so it's it's much harder to do to do that to, to kind of follow along and so what ends up happening is as teams go over and then they lose that little bit of extra uh space it's dead money uh, against the cap mm-hmm. the next year um so that's why you know you don't always want to put people on ltir now if you're a good team if you're a better team and you put money on lt put players on ltir because you know you can then once the playoffs start, take them off LTIR and have be over the cap like the Tampa Bay Lightning were the first team to really kind of take advantage of that. Um, Vegas did, was that that was with Hedman, right? Uh, it was Stamkos was the first was, one a few years back. If, if you and remember, the one it was Hedman a couple they of years ago, Braden right? Point. They did it with Braden yeah. Point too. They've yep. done it many times. I mean, it's brilliant. Um, listen, listen, that is a brilliant move. And if you're willing to pay the penalty, the potential penalty, like it's an absolutely brilliant move in every yeah. way, shape, and form. And so, it's amazing that the league hasn't really. Fully close that loophole. If you think well, about so it. so I mean, this is this is this is why it, it shows that the NHL sometimes is a Mickey Mouse operation because this is all put in place to uh, favor the teams who don't want to spend. That's really what the whole point of this whole situation is, right? Um, but yeah, sometimes it, you know teams are going to exceed it um, and take the penalty, even if they're not a good team, and and, and the Flyers happen to be one. And I'm not trying to defend their cap management because I think it's been terrible, but. This is a this is something that it turns out to be a circumstance of hockey and it happens all the time. The one thing I can say is is that the Flyers were probably aware that this was coming. They probably realized by the deadline and, and look, maybe getting rid of if they would have traded JVR, they wouldn't have had this happen, right? That's they yeah. probably would have been, you know, or at least not as I much. I think it would have been close. I don't think it would have been maybe they may not have you know had 1.1 million it might have been a little bit le- you know, less if they anyway Braun, if they'd moved Braun at the deadline any, and jvr anything. like you're probably getting a little bit closer you right know? yeah i mean anything like that but i mean still the, the fact is is that they probably also know 
that when you look ahead to next year, even though they're getting hit with this dead money hit, because they're probably going into a, um, a season where they're going to have a lot of young players make the roster and make the team, and they're going to get rid of a lot of money off of their cap, that having that $1.1 million cap penalty is not going to hurt them. Yeah. Um, because they're because they're not going to be a competitive team. They're not going to be a contending team. Shouldn't say not going to be competitive. Not going to be a contending team next year as well. So I think I think that that's just what I how I wanted to kind of just break it down. I mean, I know people are going to probably kill them for like, oh, here we go, bad cap management again. This happens all around the league, um, and and the Flyers maybe had a a little bit more that went against them for a couple of reasons. But really, the difference between it being a one point one million penalty and say like a four hundred thousand dollar penalty is very, very negligible, um, uh, and, and something that they're probably were pre- well prepared for because they're not going to be a contending team next year. So they're they're not going to be operating as close to the cap once they're out from under. You know, they're not going to be paying JVR next year. Obviously, they're going to trade Kevin Hayes. They're probably going to move on from Provorov. Like they're going to get out from a lot of these longer bigger money contracts and so therefore it doesn't make a difference really it's just kind of it's a thing right it's just it's just unless a, yeah unless the flyers get Connor Bedard nah, as even still. Freeman, well no 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 so it, it's funny because I, I I'm sure you probably saw this um it was a, a tweet that uh definitely got some traction I guess we'd say um so and I think this is the last thing for this week so Brandon Summerman who covers the team uh put out a tweet uh, earlier this week, and I'm looking to see where it's at now. He, um, uh, God, where was it? All right, here it is. So Brandon Summerman tweets this out a few days ago, and it, it kind of blew up Flyers Twitter. Just had a scout ask me this hypothetical question. What if the Flyers get Bedard? How does that affect their rebuild? Is it too early for that type of talent in the rebuild? It honestly stumped me, and I'm still thinking about it. And I don't know. Is it too early? Now, at first, I laughed. I was like, that's ridiculous. Then I thought about it. I laughed again because it's still ridiculous. If there is a scout out there who currently is thinking to themselves, I don't know, is it too early for you to get a generational talent? I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know what that scout's doing, scouting for any team. Um, Let me ask you, if the Flyers were somehow to get the hockey gods to smile on them and they picked up Connor Bedard in this draft, is it too early to add Connor Bedard to this rebuild let me throw that to to bundy bundy is is it too early <laughs> to add a legit talent like connor bedard to this rebuild i i'm really hoping this my this works here because the internet sorry sorry guys i wasn't home uh so i um you know it's funny i actually talked to danny about that yesterday i said you know what if you know you're, you're praying for the hockey guys to get you as close to number one or number one you know, is there is and I asked him, is there any kind of formula? Is there anything? Do the, do the Flyers have a package that could land you the first pick? And I don't think he thought that we couldn't. The fact is, is that whoever gets the number one pick just isn't going to move that pick. Yeah. Right. So I'm thinking, though, if the Flyers end up maybe. Yeah. You take that player no matter what, even if your team like Sidney Crosby, when he got picked by the Penguins, mm-hmm. was probably in worse shape other than Flurry than the Flyers were at this shape. Like they had nobody. They were brutal, even his first year. So, you know, again, you, you you can't pass on guys like that. You can't change the look of that. Um, the same with Bedard. You know, it's the same with McDavid. You take that player regardless. You have no choice because he en- ends up changing the whole look of your entire franchise. 
from a financial standpoint, it's like hitting a, a gold, you know, finding a gold mine. Uh, yeah. That one player yeah. can elevate the look of your whole your whole franchise moving forward. Sell tickets, generate excitement, unlike other players that can't. So I think if, um, if stuff makes sense, he's got some pieces that he probably can move or will have to understand he's going to move. And I think that he'll try to move up. I, I do. I think there's always something in understanding here. One thing Paul Holmgren as a GM did really good over the years, he understand understood the value of the big pop for the Philly fans. It's important. It generates excitement every year, every year and a half, you know, to get a make a big trade, a splash that keeps people's interest peak. So, you know, I think Danny, too, coming off the heels of maybe having the interim tag pulled, which he will, uh, you know, there's no, nothing you can do more than at that time of your initial draft to try to build that excitement for the fans. So I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, I expect some pretty interesting stuff coming out of that. But if you if you get a chance to draft Bedard, you draft Bedard. Even if you've got 19 other guys that aren't even up to his standard, it doesn't matter. You'll you'll fill those gaps as you come. And plus, when you get a guy like Bedard here, after four and five years, you start getting free agents that are interested again in coming yeah. to your team because they want to win. So that's why that first, you're getting a generational talent like that is so important. It's just multi-layered. And uh, I, I, I just think there's never a way or an angle that you can pass on that. So he, he by the way, did do a little follow-up tweet to, to what he put out there and said that the scout, I guess, the scout's perspective was anytime, not the Crosby, they looked at, like, I guess, McDavid and, um, and Hughes as talents. The scout was like, well, they had more talent on the roster at the time, and, and they added that top-level player to, you know, try to push them farther, but they had pieces in place. I don't know. I, I don't know. You, you, you have to take let's take the best player on the board. Like I, I can't, I can't imagine Ima- Can you imagine the PR disaster? It would be like, imagine if the flyers got the top pick and traded out of it because they said, ah, you know what? <laughs> We're too early in this rebuild for a generational talent. Well, we'll take a swing at it again in a few years. Yeah. I guess. Would, there'd be mutiny <laughs> all from the entire city. Yes. It would be, it would be the ugliest situation of, uh, for fandom in Philadelphia. You could find it. And do you think there's uh, is it ever too early to draft a generational talent? Why are we even asking this question? All right, there we go. So I feel like I just wasted five minutes of time. I'm never going to get back again with a bad (laughs) with a bad internet and everything. You know what? That's (laughs) that was like that was like the Phillies. That was like the Phillies sixth inning yesterday. Oh jeez. Um. Hey, really quick before we head out of here, um, we didn't get. I don't think we got a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We got three emails with reviews. Um, last week, because I mentioned on the show, if you don't have Apple podcasts, you know, like feel free to, to send us a review. I don't remember saying set email us a review, but I guess I did. So you can email us snow, the goalie at gmail.com and send your five-star review. That doesn't help us. We love you, <laughs> but it doesn't help us. Okay. Again, find somebody like, don't not saying walk up to strangers, right? Don't go up to a stranger at the King of Prussia mall or in center city or like at a, a Phillies game and say, Hey, do you have Apple podcasts? Can I leave a review on your camera? All right. Like, don't do that. But like, find your way to an Apple device or to a device that you can download Apple Podcasts, like your computer or your tablet, whatever the hell you're listening to the show on, you can get Apple Podcasts. Even if it's an Android, you can figure it out, set up the account, leave a review. Anyway, we had three people send us a a review. Um, Some of them are really long. Some of them are a little bit shorter. I'm going to read the short one first. Five stars from Rob Winkleman. Uh, glad you mentioned in an email or an email. I can send this to since I'm not on Apple have to say, I love how real you guys are with your analysis and provides great insight as someone who's done sports reporting for what it feels like is uh, three decades. I love Bundy's quips about how things look versus how they are. 
and uh, and especially appreciate how heated he gets when he's talking about certain subjects. It's always reassuring that fans are still invested like I am in this team, no matter how bad they can be. And Russ, F the haters. Uh, You talk about what's real with the team and hope to hear that Cam Atkinson story you teased. Excited to keep listening to more from the three of you. Keep up the great work. Let's go Flyers. I love that. That was good. Rob, 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 to the point. Rob, Rob Winkleman, I, it's only been uh, only been 22 years, 22 okay. and a half. Well, then not, that's part not, of that's part that's that's parts of three decades. Then so I'm not I'm not I'm not that old. Okay, um, but, Mark Spy sent us a five star review. It was really long. Mark, I hope you're not offended that we're not going to read the whole thing. They trashed another podcast, which we are not going to read here. I don't need people complaining and starting to tag us and tag them. We don't need it. But somebody did trash another podcast in this review, which we are not going to read unless unless Mark goes and opens the thing on Apple Podcasts and leave, leaves the five-star review there, then we have to. And then we're contractually obligated to. But um, Mark has been a, a fan, uh, uh, graduated from St. Joe's, was an intern for the Phantoms at the Spectrum during the 03 season. Um you know, talks about um, all of the the great memories uh, around the team, um, and and sent over a picture of the Legion of Doom, and noted that uh, um, this is when Mr. Bob Clark made this happen. I was a 13 or 14 year old kid whose dad had Whaler season tickets. He told me I should write a letter to Mr. Clark explaining why we are such big Flyers fans in Connecticut. Obviously, the letter, the poster, along with a silver Sharpie was sent. It came back four days later. My dad got it framed. It hangs uh, proudly in my home now as a 42-year-old man raising my two own young sons to be Flyers fans as well. So that's really cool. And also, Mark tried to pitch himself as a potential we ever wanted to bring fans onto the show to be the first fan, uh, which clearly means that Mark did not listen to way back when in the vault. This is before Bundy because Bundy would have punched Ant in the face when Ant brought on the Anthony Sanfilippo fan club in like episode 40 or something in this show. It was a dark, a dark day for this podcast. And we almost took the show off. All right. Wait, Russ, we did say though. At one point, a dark we day did, for this podcast. We did say at one point that we would consider doing a, uh, uh, a live episode where the fans could pop in and uh, yeah, come did. on like vi- on video with us and, and you know, express something like almost like a like a call in, but with the video element attached to it. So who knows? Maybe that does come up down the road, and Mark can we can uh, we can explore can it this us. summer or something. All right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Mark Mark had a lot of nice nice things to say. So Mark, if you can get an Apple Podcast account, throw this up there. Happy to read the whole thing. We did read it. I sent it to these guys to their emails. They read it. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. But he he does say um, it infuriates me how other pods belittle Flyers legends, past players. And no jack about hockey. Don't give me actual information about the team I love. Opinions are great, but substance, experience, and knowledge come first. Keep up the amazing work, and thanks for doing what you guys do for fans like me. You keep me aware, realistic, and in the loop regarding the team I love. Uh, I make it down to Philadelphia once a year, no matter what, uh, and no matter where I've lived, what the standings say, or uh, anything else for some live action. I watch at least 60 games a year up here on TV. A a Philadelphia bleeping Flyers fan. I think we got through an episode without an F-bomb, so Bundy, don't break it yet. We've done a good job so far. Fucking A. I've done a good job. I've done a good job today. I have. I've held everything together pretty fucking good at the end of the day. It's been... Yeah, uh. <laughs> man, man, man. I tried. I tried so hard. You brought it up. I tried so you hard brought it today. up. You tried. You the brought it up. One, by the way, you fucked yourself. The last one. The, it's all gone to hell. It's all gone to hell. All right. 
The last one that we got here, I can't, I can't figure out what kind of review this was. I think this person said five stars, but they also said three stars. And you know how I am about three star reviews, guys. We had somebody who definitely hates me, definitely hates Bundy for talking about recovery on the show. So that has to give people an idea of how wonderful this person is. They, they actually took time out of like a four or five paragraph dissertation to complain about Bundy talking about the fact that he does work in the recovery community. So if Which you're listening to the show, spend like and, one and minute. You, and if, yeah. if you're listening to this show and the biggest takeaway that you have is that you're pissed off that Bundy helps people with addiction problems, you got some issues, Home Slice. And it far goes beyond my inability to, what is it, to modulate my voice? By all means, I appreciate you sending it over. We read it, but I it does say something about you know what, Russ? three stars. I, I, you know but what? they did fillet Anthony, though. Well, oh, this wait, person, what? what happened? Was, what? Oh, they filleted you. I mean, it was it was oh, it was a really? it was a slobber job of epic proportions. Wow. And, but see, the thing is, what there they, are nice things. Like, and, what did they like, and, did they like I, the most about me? See, this is the narcissism kicking was it, in. Was it my the soothing? The Flyers fan club was, was one thing episode voice? 40 or whatever. Was it my soothing uh, Hold voice? on. Let me see. Hold on. Anthony has no flaws. Okay. Voice modulation. Anthony has no flaws here and None. is excused from the criticism except for not pointing out how it's done to the others. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are other nice things in here about Ant. I can, I can send that. I feel like, I feel like that scene from um, private parts and in, in uh, when Howard Stern is using his, uh, his voice to, to get that girl excited. Right. Maybe that's what, maybe that's <laughs> a family do. show. Aunt. Maybe that's this what I do. Show. This maybe that's because I know no. how to modulate my voice properly. <laughs> so you're, you're, uh, you're, oh God, I, I don't, that's, that's, there's too much to unpack there. Like, way too much. Talking into the, um, talking, uh, that's like Anthony's still like talking to the fans all the time. They'd be like, Luke, I am your father, Luke. <laughs> this is like, Anthony's like doing his own brand like Tommy of ASMR. Boy. So there we are. Anthony, Anthony's gonna, Anthony's gonna seductively start reading reviews like right up against his mouth. <laughs> said I can <laughs> No, please stop, stop rubbing. God, stop rubbing the mic. Oh my God. I didn't need, nobody needed that. Listen, if you're, again, if you're listening on the podcast, feed, um, I, we, we appreciate it. We really do. And we, we encourage you to keep listening and subscribing, but man, there are some things you miss on the YouTube feed. If you're not following over. Welcome to the post 200 episode era. Yeah. Oh, so that's what this is. 200 episodes, everything's hunky-dory. You hit 201 and Anthony starts stroking his microphone. No, no. We're not making it 200 more episodes. It's over. It's all over, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, we said this is going to be a 15 or 20-minute show. It's been 46 minutes. There have been a couple of dropouts a few times along the way. Bundy, it's not your fault. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. It's but it's, it's my fault for the last-minute notice. Anthony started off the show kind of like down in the dumps. Finish it by like rubbing his microphone. I don't know. I, I think it's time to go. Um, a big thank you to everybody who listened to this week's episode. If you watched, I know I've said it 15 times, but please subscribe over on the YouTube channel. You can now just go into the YouTube search bar and type in Snow the Goalie and you'll see the channel. It's now overtaken the Crossing Broad um, uh, like rankings or the Crossing Broad like videos for Snow the Goalie. Subscribe to Snow the Goalie over there. By the way, if you're watching on the Crossing Broad feed, and there are some of you who do every week, and that's fine. We love you. 
and some of you comment down below the Crossing Broad video. And again, we love you. It's great. Go subscribe to the other channel. Help us out. We want to get to 1,000. That's our goal before the summer hits. 1,000 subscribers uh, over on the YouTube. By the way, if you're listening in the podcast feed and you're like, Russ, please shut the hell up about this. I feel like this is like, um, I don't know if you guys listen to WRTI, the classical and jazz station in Philly, but like every season or every like twice a year, they do like the public funding drive where they they talk about it. Like they they go in between songs and they talk about the need to raise money. And you're like, please stop. And eventually they say, you know what? We can stop as soon as we hit our goal. I will stop talking about subscribing to the YouTube channel once we reach a thousand people. Okay. I'll Appreciate take that it. bet. Will you? Yeah, I'll take that bet. You think I'll stop promoting it? Inces no, well, I'll, stop, I'll stop promoting it incessantly. I'll still mention it. Okay. All right. So <laughs> big thank you to everybody who uh, listened, who checked in, who watched uh, today's episode. We'll be back. I think we'll be back next week. I think if we can shoot for 15 minute episodes, which end up becoming 48, God help us. Uh, I think we'll be okay. Um, maybe by next week, we'll have some more candidates to talk about. We'll talk a little bit more about the president of hockey ops job, uh, get an update on where the playoffs stand and all that. So uh, for Bundy, who you can find on Twitter at Cterian six. And of course, BundyRecovery.com. Uh, yes, sir. And for, for Ant, who you can find on Twitter, at Ant Philly. I'm Russ, at Joy on Broad. Thanks for listening, watching uh, Snow the Goalie. You can find this show anywhere you get your podcast, YouTube. And then um, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Snow the Goalie, Facebook.com, slash Snow the Goalie. And the, the uh, Snow the Goalie Twitter community, all of those links are in the description to this episode in your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. So we'll talk to you again next week. Go Flyers.